It's time for Lawyers for Jesus, a show about the dynamic and exciting interaction of faith and the law. Featuring the attorneys from the law firm Malkin Baker in downtown Chicago. Malkin Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and for serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hello, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Whit Brisky, an attorney and partner at the law firm of Malkin Baker in Chicago. We are Christian attorneys who focus on serving the body of Christ with its legal needs. To learn more about us, go to malkbaker.com, that's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com, or call 312-726-1243. How can Christians set themselves apart in the marketplace? Today, I will be speaking with Alec Hill, the President Emeritus of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship USA and author of Just Business, Christian Ethics for the Marketplace, which is now in its third edition. In Just Business, Alec explores the foundational Christian concepts of holiness, justice, and love, and how they apply to business ethics. Alec, welcome to our show. Thank you. It's good to be with you. What made you decide to write uh, Just Business? Well, it was about 20 years ago, and I was teaching in Seattle, and uh, I had an MBA class at Boeing, and I had a number of, uh, it was a real mix in terms of faith, uh, probably mostly non-believers, and uh, I couldn't find a book, frankly, that worked with them. My university required that there be some integration of Christian thought. So um, I came up with this crazy idea that I would uh, write a book, and that was the genesis of it. And the interesting thing was, then in the next year, as I started writing chapters, I'd share them with, uh, with subsequent classes and uh, get their feedback. And so it took out all sort of the jargon because a lot of these folks didn't have any faith basis. So I had to write it in a way that was comprehensible. And, uh, and now, as you mentioned, it's been through a second edition in 2007 and now a third draft, a third edition in 2016. So um, I think it's gotten better over time. Um, <laughs> I hope so anyway. But that's, that's the genesis of it. Okay, well... Uh... Did you do you still keep the Christian content in the, in the book? Oh yeah, I mean, if you look through it, it's it's very biblical. And uh, but I try to how do I say when I say jargon? I mean, I try to explain it in a way that's that 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 people can pick up on quickly without sort of insider sort of you know uh, language. So, but but clearly the chapter starts out with you know the the purpose of Christian ethics is to emulate God's character. And God is holy, God is just, God is loving. So that is foreign territory for a lot of people, uh, I would say even some Christians, to, to explore holiness and justice and love in depth. And um, But anyway, it really has worked. I mean, um, the book, I just got an email from someone in Papua New Guinea who's been using it for years with a training there. So, um, and in my own life, you know, I, I, I think when we try to describe what our Christian ethic is, we come up with, you know, well, there's the Sermon on the Mount, there's the Ten Commandments. But if you look at the primary sort of moral characteristics of God, and, and holiness has 800 references throughout Scripture, justice is everywhere, and of course we know a lot in, about God as love and, and God's loving character. And so these three are like you go to an optometrist's office, it's not one or the other, it's not, it's not multiple choice, all three have to line up. And what I have found um, in my own personal life, uh, in parenting, um, that, that when I face a moral dilemma and I think, is this action I'm going to take holy? Is it just? Is it loving? It really, each one checks me 
to go through, uh, I think through, through again, the, the idea is going, emulating God's character. Are these, are these principles, I mean, you, we talk about the, they, they having a biblical basis, but are these universal in the sense that they would help secular people as well? Yeah, so I'm, you know, sometimes when I, when I talk to a secular audience, holiness really is about integrity, it's about honesty, it's about purity, uh, it's about our better selves. And justice, um, in the positive sense, of course, justice can get dragged in the mud. It's, it's a fairly, I mean, I, you know, everybody demanding this, demanding that. But, but the idea that we respect each other, that we are fair, that we have duties or obligations towards each other. And, of course, loving um, is something that, that, you know, we talk a lot about in our church and, and this culture. But loving also, so each of these, by the way, has, a, has if, you, if you untether them, holiness becomes holier than thou, becomes judgmental. Justice becomes harsh, and loving becomes permissive. So you need the three intention to hold together. And we see this in God's character. We see it in, in the cross, you know, uh, God was faced with a moral dilemma. He loved people, but he was holy and just, and, they, and we were not, and we're sinful. So what did he do? Uh, he created something that none of us ever would have imagined, uh, a sacrifice of his own son, so that he could be holy, just, and loving at the same time. So I think, you know, there's a creativity with this kind of ethical approach, but it, it, you, can't, you can't take two. And I, in our culture, I often hear, well, ethics are about being just and loving. But then you miss the spine of it all, which is holiness. And I think in our culture, we have ignored to our peril, uh, the Church has, the, the sense of, of holiness. Our uh, firm verse, if you will, is Micah 6.8, which talks about what does God require of man but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. And it seems to me those three things are very similar to, uh, of course, justice. Uh, mercy is love, and walk humbly uh, with a holy God. So it's really very similar, and the tension is what is critical. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Whit Brisky of the law firm Balkan Baker. If you missed part of this episode or want to hear other Lawyers for Jesus interviews, visit MalkBaker.com. You can also subscribe to our Religious Liberty newsletter and follow us on Facebook and Twitter for legal updates with a biblical perspective. Today we've been talking with Alec Hill, author of Just Business, Christian Ethics for the Marketplace, about what it means to have a Christian ethic. And I interrupted you there, Alec. What were you going to say? So within God, there's no tension between holiness, justice, and love. But because we are fallen human beings, we're where the tensions are. So back to your question about universal rights— yeah, so, so these three principles lead to rights of a, of a reasonably work, uh, safe work environment, uh, not to be slandered, a right to hold religious beliefs, a right to informed consent. And, and, and these three uh, create duties of not to show favoritism, to keep our promises, to tell the truth, to not to steal. So while these are universal, you can have local adaptability. And what I mean by that, so let's take restitution. So if I cause you harm... I have to make you whole. That can be either done through service or through money or through prison. So there's, there's a sense in which a, a universal principle like restitution can have a different application, uh, and, and that's important to recognize. Okay. Why is integrity in the business context important, even when no one's watching? I mean, I suppose that's the, the real hard time to get things right is when you know that 
you're not going to get caught. You can cut a corner and nobody is going to catch you. Uh, Christians play before an audience of one, and that's God. And it's not our shareholders, it's not the bosses, it's not the lawyers, it's not the SEC, it's not anybody who's going to sue us. We have to be very mindful of the presence of God. And I think in terms of, you know, we are, we are ambassadors to the community in which we serve. Um, I, I think of Bob Lane, uh, who served at John Deere as the CEO for a decade, or Bruce Kennedy at Alaska Airlines for 13 years, or Dan Amos at Affleck for 35 years. And I think of these, these guys who, who really reflected God's character and their legacies are, are amazing. So uh, I, think, I think, first of all, what, we're, what is seen is important, but what is unseen, as you pointed out, is probably even more important, that we live before God. I, I kind of wonder about how um, I, your purpose in doing this is really to get um, people of both of faith and secular people thinking about business ethics. But I also wonder whether there's an opportunity here to um, actually preach the gospel in the sense that people who can hear this, who may not believe in God, but who hear this and how this ethic creates um, a good business practice can say, hey, wait a minute, there is something to this Bible. There is something to this uh, God and this faith. And maybe it works the other way, too. Is that, do you think that could be? Well, I sure hope so. Um, I think that we have a, a standard to live up to, and when we fail, of course, um, it does look bad to the world, So, um, and it's because we aspire for more. But on the other hand, without a sense of vision of what, what, what business should be like, or frankly, just what life should be like and how we should treat other people, um, then things go to the lowest common denominator. So uh, I, I think we have to be careful not to be preachy in one sense, but on the other hand, speaking the truth always sings. It's always, I mean, if we're honoring God and not ourselves. So uh, I think God has a great vision for how we create and live our lives. Alec, can you give us one example of a parable of Jesus leading to insights into business ethics? Yeah, I think the parable of talents is really interesting. As you recall, there were three servants and one I ended up uh, with 10 cities, one with five, and one with one. And so the, the principles that come out of that would be accountability, that the, there is a sense with uh, in business uh, merit, how you do and how you perform does affect. So uh, I know the parable is much broader than that. It's interesting, about 50% of Jesus' parables are set in sort of a business or, or master-servant context. Well, that, that would be very helpful. Uh, to read those parables and to gather uh, what insights we can, even if they're uh, not specifically about business. Uh, but everything within the scriptures really is going to be something that can be used to help us understand how we should live our lives and, and uh, how we should move forward with our business ethics. Coming up, we will talk further with Alec Hill, author of Just Business, Christian Ethics for the Marketplace about the specific biblical principles that should guide Christian business owners. I am Whit Brisky, and this is Lawyers for Jesus.
Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Whit Brisky, an attorney at Malkin Baker, a law firm based in Chicago which serves churches, ministries, businesses, and individuals in their legal needs. If you missed the first part of this show and want to listen online, go to malkbaker.com forward slash radio. Today we've been speaking with Alec Hill, author of Just Business, Christian Ethics for the Marketplace. Now, Alec, why does some secular business ethics fall short of a fully Christian mindset? And I suppose uh, the other question is, why do some Christians also fall short of a Christian mindset? Um, it is an interesting study done years ago that showed that students who go through uh, ethics training uh, in business schools actually become less ethical. Um, and part part of what it said was they learn how to rationalize all they they know all the tricks to to justify everything they do. So if you start with a utilitarian approach, cost benefit, uh, you can end up anywhere. And that's the that's the risk of secular um, most secular ethics. It starts kind of with that cost benefit approach, whereas when you start with God's character, you're starting with something much more firm, uh, strong, and pure. Um, and so I'm not surprised by that study, even though it's discouraging for people like me who taught business ethics. You know, when I looked at your book, I thought, well, gee, this is. Um primarily directed toward business owners or, uh, you know, top executives at business. But how can it be useful to other people, to employees or uh, just anybody? Well, I hope uh, if, if I did that and I missed my audience, because the goal is when I wrote it, it was for my, my graduate students and then for I actually used it with undergraduates as well. Um, in other words, if you're entering into a job market and you have a job and you're uh, an agent of the, of the employer, you know, what do you do when the employer, the boss tells you to do something that you don't agree with? And so there's a whole chapter on agency. What do you do when the employer tells you to do something that's legal, but you don't think is right? And so you have a little, sort of a legal issue. You have, and there's something called dual morality, which is we, we, we can separate our, our spiritual lives from our business world and have sort of two sets of ethics. And uh, the book strongly argues against that. I mean, that's, that's just not where we should be. Well, no, it, it, it's like being two-faced. You know, you're, you're one thing on the outside and another thing on the inside. That, that's a horrible idea. Um, you know, well, you know uh, with, trade sec- with, with trade secrets, uh, when, when people leave new companies, six, in, in a survey, 60% of ex-employees admit to taking data uh, customer lists, financial records, proprietary software, and like so. There's there's a whole lot of bad stuff that people do, you know, in their workplace environment. And um, anyway, hopefully the book addresses that. Well, again, why do uh, people fall short? Uh, how do we how do we prevent people really from falling short uh, of these Christians? Well, you know, Romans three says, you know, well, we've all fallen short of the glory of God and sin, sin. And so um, that's true for, for 100% of human beings. So I think it's just, um, <laughs> call it original sin. I mean, we, we, we aspire for more than we can deliver. I do think that if you're looking at upgrading sort of ethics in, in, in the marketplace, it starts internally, but obviously there have to be external um, rules, regulations, sanctions, punishments as well because we're just not, we're fallen human beings. So uh, I think the purpose of the book is to elevate who we are 
to be reflect more Christ-like character. Um, but clearly, in a macro societal sense, you need to have laws and sanctions as well. Well, your book, uh, we were talking over the break, and your book has been translated into a Korean and uh, one of the Indonesian languages, and to Polish and to Russian. And uh, there is a UK edition, and uh, of course, the UK and the and America are two countries separated by the same language. And uh, so, but tell us, how do these principles translate when you go to Korea or Indonesia or Poland or Russia? So if you're speaking with Christians, there's general agreement, I, I consensus around these three ideas of holiness, justice, and love. I was teaching a group of uh, mid early 30 uh, folks from Singapore in business uh, last year, and they just latched onto it because they were, they were looking for that. Now, I would say that there are cultural local applications. So, so for example, bribery, I think there's universal agreement that bribery is bad and wrong. But what might be perceived in the Philippines as a gift would be defined by American law, which tends to be fairly rigid in the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, uh, as, as a bribe. So I, I do think that the, the so it's a, I call it a flexible absolutism. So the, the absolute is bribery is bad, but, but how cultures interpret what's a bribe and what's not, that does vary. And I think, I think we have to have some flexibility in that because otherwise we ignore uh, the particularities and how like, the Filipinos just give gifts. I mean, that's part of their culture. And their motives may be pure, but American law might say that that's wrong or illegal. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Whit Brisky of the law firm of Malkin Baker. If you missed part of this episode or want to hear other Lawyers for Jesus interviews, visit MalkBaker.com. You can also subscribe to our Religious Liberty newsletter and follow us on Facebook and Twitter for legal updates with a biblical perspective. Today, we've been talking with Alec Hill, author of Just Business, Christian Ethics for the Marketplace, and how it translates to different cultures and different countries. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about, in some specifics, about what you think Christian ethics tells us about, uh, for example, discrimination? Yeah, um, you know, if you look at the Old Testament, there's a lot of language about the sojourner and the alien. Uh, Jesus uh, uses the example of the Good Samaritan. Paul talks about there's no Jew or Gentile. And um, so, so the, the Christian, the biblical standard on, on racial discrimination is, is high. And uh, there was a recent study done, uh, people uh, sent in a bunch of blank resumes, and they made up the names uh, to, to see how employers would respond. And what it showed, if you were if your name was Lakeisha Washington, um, you had a 50% chance less of an interview if your name was Emily Walsh. And these were on resumes that were virtually identical in terms of, um, well, they were identical in terms of the qualifications. So um, race is a, is a real problem, racial discrimination, and I think scripture is really clear. And of course, there's other forms of discrimination, gender, age, disabilities, um, religious discrimination, and of course, you guys as lawyers, so you, you deal with that all the time. That's right. What about uh, affirmative action? What can the Bible tell us about affirmative action? Well, first of all, the Bible doesn't say anything about affirmative action directly, and it's a tricky subject. Um, there, there are sort of two biblical principles. There's non-discrimination, which we just described, and then restitution for a specific harm. You see that in Exodus, you see it with Zacchaeus uh, in the New Testament. It's called compensatory justice. You have to give back. 
it's usually applied to individuals. And um, what's hard is when you start moving it to groups, uh, whether that's Native Americans or African Americans or women. And, um, you know, with the Japanese Americans with World War II who are interned, it's a little easier because it was a specific group. You can look at records. But race is trickier because if you had um, a Bosnian refugee and a Somali refugee, one's white and one's black, but they weren't part of American culture for very long ago, um, it's problematic. And now with these DNA, DNA tests, most of us realize how mixed our ethnicity is. So uh, ethnicity is a tricky subject when you deal with it in a macro broad sense. So um, anyway, I have a chapter on it, um, but um, it's, I, I come out, as you can hear, it's some of the ambivalence that I have in describing the subject. Well, I'll give you one that's probably a little easier. What about environmental damage? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, God owns the earth. Uh, I, I, you know, God has transcendent title. Uh, and we are not, um, there, there, there are different ways of looking at the environment. One is biocentric, that the earth comes first. The other is human-centric, that humans come first. But that's not the, neither of those is the Christian ethic. We are theocentric, that is, we are but stewards and uh, and that dominion that he, we've been given implies responsibility. So um, we believe the material world was created good, and therefore as stewards of that, and we, of course we will have resurrected bodies, um, that, that we should care about the environment. The sad thing for me is that, that the environment has become such a political issue between right and left. From a Christian perspective, it's a no-brainer. We care about the environment because it's God's earth. It's God's universe, and we are stewards of that. I mean... So anyway, so that's the approach I would have to environment the environment. Okay. Now, uh, your your uh, most recent edition, the third edition of your book, uh, what did you add to it to make it more relevant to uh, today? Uh, I think the big issue is technology and privacy. So employers are now requiring some employees to wear devices that not only tracks their work uh, productivity, but also their non-work hours. Uh, there's software programs that can really be invasive. Um, there's psychological tests. So I think this issue of privacy is the cutting edge of facial, you know, and artificial intelligence, big data, facial recognition, all that stuff is really hot and emerging. Yeah, and people can know what you've said offline, and a lot of people have uh, suffered being fired or something for something they did totally outside the office. Alec, thank you for speaking with us today. How can people get a hold of your book and learn more about what we discussed? Well, they can go on Amazon. Just uh, The title of the book is Just Business, and the name is Alec Hill. It's, it's eight letters, uh, my name. <laughs> and, uh, or they can go to, to ivpress.com. If you have a legal need or a question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact us at Malkin Baker. You can reach us at 312-726-1243 or at malkbaker.com. That's malkbaker.com. M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Visit our website and subscribe to our Religious Liberty newsletter with legal updates or call us and mention Lawyers for Jesus for a free consultation. Thanks for listening. I'm Whit Brisky, attorney at Malkin Baker. This is Lawyers for Jesus. have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody.